Welcome to the Akiyama Brothers Song to Screen podcast, where two film composers talk about music in film and theater, hosted by Mark and Landon Akiyama. In this episode, the brothers talk about The Incredibles 2, written by Michael Giacchino. Subscribe to hear more at akiyamamusic.com. Hi, Mark. Hey. How you doing? Good. That doesn't sound too sure. A, a, a strong well, good. Well, this is the third episode in three weeks, so we're doing one a week now, it seems, apparently. Well, this is a special case um, because of the last episode was the special interview with the cast of Once um, from the production of Lamb's Players Theater, correct? Yep. Yeah, so it just so happened that, you know... Which you missed. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, it just so happened that I would be out of town during that sorry. interview, and the only time we could get the interview was that week and it, and it made sense to do it that that week because um don't give me excuses give me results <laughs> well we thought we thought the production was going to end sometime in july like july 12th so we wanted to get the episode out as soon as possible and then it turns out yeah it was extended to august 12th now so if you haven't Seen once, it's a really great musical. Think Mumford and Sons singer songwriter esque music. Uh, Mark and I we covered it a bit. Mark went and interviewed the cast. That's episode twelve of the podcast. Once the musical cast interview, and that one you can actually watch the interview on YouTube. Also, yes, um, it's the link is in the episode twelve inter- uh, show notes. Or just search Akiyama Music on YouTube and you'll find it. Yeah, Mark did a fantastic job. He really did that whole episode by himself because I was out of town on other duties. Um, anyway, Mark, do you want to talk about the Moment Ambassador program? Yeah, we're part of the what's called the Moment Ambassador program. And so if you haven't been listening, Moment is uh, a company that makes lenses for your smartphone. They just attach to your smartphone with their cases. So they have really high quality lenses that get more... Um, you get more use out of your your phone camera. So it works really great. So I would definitely check that out. And um, yeah, we're making a cool little video just to demonstrate like what lenses we use and everything. So you'll be able to find that places also. Yeah, and Mark and I, we use these almost every day. I use them on all my Instagram stories. Whenever I take a picture, um, I try to use mine and it looks really fantastic. So we'll put the link We'll put the link that we have in the description. Um, if you use that link, you'll save 10% off on your first purchase. And then it also helps us out a little bit too. Yep. So it's a win-win. It is a win-win. So Mark, did you get a chance to see Incredibles 2 yet? I did. I saw it like Wednesday, I think. Okay. And what theater did you go see it at? Arclight. Did you see usual. it with the Dolby Cinema? Nope. No. Nope. Okay. It's not playing in Dolby. Dang it. Which see, was a bummer I- because I noticed the difference. Yeah, Brad Bird, I saw it on an interview. He really loves Dolby. Um, he said, Who doesn't? I know. He said the Dolby Cinema uh, screen quality allows the darks to have so much more detail and depth, um, something that filmmakers really love. And then he was playing around with the interviewer. Um, the Dolby Atmos sound is a really cool sound. Oh, He's I just, saw that video. Yeah, you hear you hear all the you hear the sound silly. where it's meant to be placed in the room. So you hear stuff yeah. from over here, and you hear stuff from over here. And then yeah, the Dolby the Dolby audio system is really good at placing sound in the in orientation to the audience, so they can be really really specific of where they place sounds in the theater, and it's super effective, especially like. 
on the horror movie we we did a quiet place um they were able to place sounds all around you and it was really specific you could tell where the sound was like pinpoint where it was it was super effective yeah and it seems like brad bird he really respects the sound in movies um he he thinks of the composers as another character and actor of the film because you know the composer michael giacchino is interpreting the story just as the actors are so it's it it's fitting to to uh to treat the actors or sorry and so it's fitting to treat the composer like an actor who's interpreting the story so today for this episode we are going to talk about the incredibles 2 if you're not If you're not familiar with Michael Giacchino and some of his other works, Giacchino also scored Spider-Man Homecoming, Star Trek 1 and 3, I think maybe 2 also. Uh, I think he did all of them. Yeah, okay, all of them. Incredibles, the first one, he also did Rogue One, and he won an Academy Award for Up for Best Original Score. Uh, Let's see. One One of the big things, though, was Mission Impossible. Oh, yeah. He did Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. I forget which one he scored, but he scored one of those, which is, um, I think he did that before Incredibles, which is what landed him um, on the Incredibles radar because they knew they wanted like a like a, a spy. spy sound. Yeah, and he had already he had just like recently done Mission Impossible, so um, that was on their radar. Yeah, and he's he's one of the composers that's really good at wearing a whole bunch of different genre hats um so he does he can do spy he can oh, do he adventure yeah yeah he can do fantastical um disney stuff like fantasy. Up, fantasy and a lot of the stuff a lot of the themes and the feeling for this uh this incredibles movie he said he drew from hoyt Curtin, the composer for Johnny Quest, the old cartoon TV shows that Mark and I used to watch and our dad used to watch. Uh, also, John Barry, the guy that did the music for James Bond. So He wrote the book on spy music. Yeah, he literally wrote the book. Um, that's where you get that minor, major seven chord a lot from. Yes, that one. It also sounds nice, Mark, if you add the nine. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then also, Giacchino said he drew from Henry Mancini of Pink Panther, the guy that wrote the music for Pink Panther. Um, You can really hear that in the first track, I think, of The Incredibles. I think that one's called uh, Episode 2. It sounds like a Pink Panther kind of sneaky walk. I don't know if I... uh... That was supposed to be a muted trumpet. <laughs> that was pretty bad. That's okay. We'll, maybe, we'll, we'll try and get a plug in for that. That was a bassoon. Oh, that was pretty good for a bassoon, I thought. You sound more like an oboe. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, well. Anyway, Mark, I'm going to put you on the spot. What were your thoughts for the score? For the score? For the score. Let's start with the score. Or the movie. Okay, the score. 
Overall, I didn't like it. <laughs> the score? You didn't like the score? I mean, I guess because, okay, I don't know. I was, hmm, how do I say this? You're, you're digging yourself it in a felt, hole. It felt the only way to like get out of the, the hole movie. is if you put down the shovel. No, I'm keeping my <laughs> shovel. Um, you said it sounds like the first movie. It sounded a lot like the first movie, and I was kind of hoping he would. Um, I don't. Okay, okay. For the first movie, when they used the jazz, like used the jazz sound, um, that was it was really cool because it was like a throwback to old spy 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 movies and everything, and it was it was a neat style choice. But for when they did it for this one. I mean, you expect, you want the jazz sound still, but I I don't, maybe I'm being really, really picky. I don't know. But it didn't seem as fresh and it just seemed like, uh, I don't know, kind of, I don't want to say derivative because that sounds mean. Ooh, yikes. Ouch. It just felt like, um, not as, not as cool, not as significant, not as, uh, what's that word novel because, not as novel anymore maybe yeah since I don't it was know. used maybe already because maybe it's because there's a lot more jazz scores out now and that's been a popular kind of trend and so it's it doesn't really stick out as significant or like special anymore but yeah. i see um, your point i think the only <laughs> there were parts of it i did like and i will i will talk about those later when we get to them i did like it parts of it but I think, like the tread, the when they did the big big band jazz stuff, um, it kind of felt it didn't feel so hip to me. Mm. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, Mark saying it I lost also, its flair. I also had a headache when I watched the movie because I was really hungry and it was in the middle of the afternoon, so maybe that hurt my experience. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> Don't go to the movies on an empty stomach. People. I wish there was only you. a place you could go get food. When you're at the movies, I didn't. I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't want to spend twelve dollars on a popcorn to get my hands all greasy. <laughs> okay, the man has excuses. All right. Well, I think don't give me excuses. Give me results. No, I see the point. I see the point you're trying to make. It did sound. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say recycled, but since I can't think of anything Ooh, else, bad too. I might say parts of it did sound recycled. And G G Chino, he's one of the guys that he. He's not the type to reuse themes no. very often. And I think no. he used he used the right themes at the right moments, especially the Incredibles yeah. theme. And then he tried doing something different for this film and he created a new a new family theme, I wanna call it, where yeah. where the dad um what's his name? Bob or Bob Parr. The dad Bob is Parr is now taking on a domesticated father role. Yeah. They took he took that the Incredibles theme and did a really cool thing with that. Um but I I'm I'm not saying that um he used the old themes too much cuz I know he didn't want to do that and he didn't do that. But just the um I don't know, maybe the orchestrations of the jazz ensemble group just didn't seem It's also probably cuz we had to wait 14 years for a sequel and um, they hyped it up a little bit in mm-hmm. the beginning with yeah. um, the video of the actor Samuel Jackson and and uh, what's the guy who plays Bob? The other voice actors they they um, they did a little intro video saying we know 
It's been 14 years. Thank you for being patient. It takes a really long time. We go from story back to animation, back to story to make sure it's really great. And that was a cool intro and everything. But uh, also, it's weird because it is 14 years later, but the movie picks up literally like a minute after the original one ends. Yeah. Which kind I noticed of me, that. Which I thought that was a little peculiar. Peculiar. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't like the video in the very beginning, the one where they were just, they were hyping it up because I think it's a, it's the Incredibles. You really don't need to hype it up or make excuses for why it was 14 years later. Yeah. Which it kind of, just to me, it seemed like they were making excuses. Um, I mean, that's not to say that I don't like the actors and actresses. I love the actors and actresses. I like the studio Pixar and Disney. Um, I just don't think that video was necessary and it didn't help them in uh yeah i don't you it, i don't that. think it didn't do anything to help help them at all but back to what i was saying he didn't it's not, i'm not saying he overused the the incredible's theme or anything from the first movie it's just the the jazz orchestrations didn't feel as um special i don't know they didn't feel like oh neat awesome i like it it is really cool it felt like oh yeah it's the same kind of feel as the first movie um the jazz stuff is kind of cool still, but kind of seems overused now. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'd like it if I saw it a second time. Maybe yeah. See it a second time on a full yeah, stomach this this next go around. But I love I love Michael Giacchino and I love his music, and I love the first Incredibles theme, and I love the second Incredibles music too. I just I don't know what I was expecting. Something fresh. I don't know. I thought. Like a nice crisp apple. <laughs> like a nice... Like when you bite into it. I'd actually have to... I, di- I'm hungry. I don't know why all my food metaphors today. <laughs> yeah, apparently you need... I'm loopy, guys. You need some popcorn. There's so much stuff to do. What? Popcorn? Yeah, they have really good caramel corn at... um. Arclight. You know, I've never seen a theater that has kettle corn. I want a theater to come out with kettle corn, because that's my favorite I like kettle kind of- corn. Because I don't like the traditional movie... I don't know. The, the buttered, buttered popcorn? Pop- I don't like it. It tastes stale to me. Yeah. But kettle corn, give me a nice bucket of kettle corn, throw in some flaming Hot Cheetos so the... That's gross. Okay, you crossed the, the line. You crossed no, no, the no, line. No, 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 no. no. Every, Why would you put flaming Hot Cheetos in kettle corn? Everybody says that when I tell them, but this is a really, really awesome movie It's snack. not. And then pair it's it with not. like a can of Dr. Pepper. Mm. Folks, if you go oh, home and try this... um, Please watch out, you know, tiptoe very carefully. No, no, it's because, okay, okay, hang on. We're getting off on a tangent here, but I need to explain this. Because Cheetos makes like flaming Hot Cheetos popcorn. So I just skipped the step because that's actually hard to find unless you're at like a 7-Eleven, but in like regular stores or something, it's hard to find. So I just skipped that step. I get the regular Hot Cheetos and then throw my own popcorn in there. Don't knock it till you try it. You're making me want to puke. I've tried it, folks. I've tried it. I can tell you from personal experience, it's not as great as Mark is hyping this up. Do you really think so? I really think so. I really think so. I think the the Flaming Hot Cheetos ruined the kettle corn experience. Kettle corn is fine by itself. You You don't need any any bells and whistles, any like nice and dandy stuff. Okay, Mr. Major Minor 7 chord. Okay, uh, music <laughs> jokes. 
Anyway, um, I want to go back to the home theme. Yeah, I want to just go back to the home theme uh, that Giacchino mm-hmm. adapted for the second film of Incredibles. Okay. This one is a little bit more... Um, you but, the way. Yeah, you know how it goes... Can you play the theme, Mark, for Incredibles? Uh, yeah, it goes like... Um, yeah. Something like that. Now... Imagine oh, that with imagine that with more strings, no piano, just really legato, smooth, cool, swaying strings. So it's just a change in the timbre of mm-hmm. really the same notes. Uh, same melody, same rhythms. I believe it's just a change in uh, instrumentation. Uh, I'm not all, also. I think it's also he changes the um, the the chords underneath it a little bit to reharmonize it. it. Yeah, he mm-hmm. reharmonizes it. So uh, by by reharmonizing it, we mean um, he changes he alters the chords that he's playing underneath the melody. So um, I think here's he, an easy example. If you you mind if I cut in? Nope. Go. Should I do an you example? All right. Fine. Sorry. Yeah. Here's an easy example. If you uh, say we're in the key of C and we're on the root C E G, let's say the melody is an E chord or a, an E E note. You would want to harm. Yeah, you would har- want to harmonize that with a C major chord. But instead, if you'd want to do something different, you could actually harmonize that with an A major chord and have an A, C-sharp, E. Which would give it different characteristics. Or... It sounds like this instead of this. Or you could even do A minor. Yeah, or you could do A minor. You could keep it in the key and do A minor. An F, F major underneath it. Right. And then you get more of a jazzy sound. Yeah, where E is the leading tone to the F. Anyway, so what do you want to say, Mark? He reharmonizes... Yeah, he reharmonizes it to um, kind of take the jazz emphasis off it a little bit and place it more in like a... And less of like a epic fanfare into a more quiet. Um, this is Bob and his family, <laughs> and he's not doing a very good job. So we should feel very sorry for him. Yeah, but actually, <laughs> that I think, kind of thing. Wasn't that the? I think the only the theme only shows up when Bob is doing a good job, when he does something right, like when he's helping. Oh yeah, you're right. When he stays up all mm-hmm. night and helps Dash with his homework. Yeah. And he helps him in the morning for his test. And then and I think also when yeah. when Bob, after Bob figures out how to take care of Jack-Jack with, yeah. his, with his new toys from Edna Mode. I'm just agreeing because I saw it once. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm, I'm, I probably am. I mean, but I know for sure. I can't be wrong all the time, the, folks. The Incredibles family theme played when they were living in the new house when it was just Bob taking care of the kids. Yeah. And the sun was out, so it wasn't at night, if that helps. No. I don't think that helps. Something like that. We didn't really talk about the Incredibles theme. The, uh... 
um, that uh, you can hear like there's really strong influences from Mission Impossible, um, especially with the uh, the uh, high bongo roll. Uh, it sounds like that comes in, and that's used at the beginning of the Mission Impossible theme before the the match lights the fuse. Usually, when they do the opening credits and that kind of stuff. So it's uh, it's also in a similar time signature to the Mission Impossible. The dum bum 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 bunka to bunka to bunka 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 Yeah, ten eight one two three one two three four five six seven eight nine ten. Oh, that's hard to say. One two three. So it's basically one two three one two three one two one two one two three one two three one two one two. So those are the eighth notes. Sorry, I'm getting really, really nitpicky and specific, but it's kind of it follows the same kind of um, odd time signature. That's what I'm getting at. It's an odd time signature. It's not not like four four um, where you go like I can't even think of them, how the Mission Impossible theme was sound in four four. But anyway, it's an odd time signature, so it's it it makes it feel like the music is really chasing and really like moving forward, propelling you. So that's also he. So that's. What I'm getting at is in the mission, uh, not mission, uh, in the Incredibles theme too. The uh, that's not actually it. There's another part where it, it does that. I noticed. Yeah, I think yeah, it's the so beginning. There's, yeah, the beginning. Uh-huh. It's the beginning, and like it's the measures leading up to that. Leading up to that part. Leading up to the fanfare. Yeah. Bum, ba, 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 bum, ba, dum. Because that part's actually in 4 4. Bum, 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 ba, dum, ba, ba, bum, bum. Yeah, because you kind of want that part to be easily sung, singable. Yeah. And, and something that's sticking in your head, and 4 4 is a really good time signature to do that. Yeah. But the stuff leading up to that is in an odd time signature, which he gets for, or I don't know if he gets it from it, but it's similar to Mission Impossible, which he's done. Yeah, um, from his mission and then, like, impossible instrumentation days. wise, also the like I said, the bongo rolls, the um, leading up to that, just like really cool little poppy flares that stick out. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff that happens that that uh, Henry Mancini does in Pink Panther, probably. Yeah, because that yeah, so it's it's really cool how you can see the threads of how James Bond theme and um, the Pink Panther theme and the Mission Impossible stuff like created a, its own new genre of spy music or yeah it's it's like spy music specifically it they created like a whole new genre and even oceans the oceans movies um oh yeah heist movies also kind of use use this uh like the spy music theme or the spy style so yeah they just like uh john barry the james bond theme um Mm -hmm. he like created a whole category and it's 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 kind of cool that it's hard to stray from that when you're doing those types of movies because it just works so cool and people like expect it and it's it's like part of the style now. But anyway, le- those like little flares of like the uh, bongo thing, you you usually refer to those as like ear candy uh, <laughs> stuff to catch your ear. The like um, they light yeah, your ears funky. on fire funky little instruments that pop out at you and you're like oh that sounds so cool or a kid grabs your attention so stuff like that we call that ear candy nice some little taffy for your ears to chew on i always thought of like the rainbow lollipops 
That's what I envy. Like the big, huge ones that are like the size of your face. Oh, well, maybe maybe because I have a bag of taffy here uh, that I've been chewing. Nobody on. likes taffy. Sorry, I got it from I got it from West Palm Beach. It's actually it's good. <laughs> I like it. Moving on. Okay, Mark, what did you think of those commercial jingles at the end? The uh, Mr. Incredible theme, the um, Elastigirl theme, and Frozone's theme. I thought they were campy. Elastigirl, stretching her arms. Elastigirl, something like that. Hers was cool. I actually liked hers. I didn't like Mr. Incredibles. What was his? Uh, it was like, pow, punching pow, the bad guys. Pow, pow, pow. pow. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, really? And then Frozone's was like a smooth jazz 98.1 kind of Oh, yeah. The thing. singer was just like riffing on, on Frozone. 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 I mean, his was kind of cool. Um, I thought Mr. Incredibles was super campy, <laughs> but it's fine. Yeah, I think it's 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 funny. It's that, supposed to feel dated. Yeah. So. Well, I think it's. In, I think it fit the bill. I think it's funny that the characters in the film knew their own theme songs, and then Giacchino wrote those to fit. Which actually, if you uh, if you didn't know this, Brad Bird and Giacchino wrote the lyrics to those three theme songs. The Elastic Girl, Mr. Incredible, and Frozone. And I think they also had help from Alex Lacamoire from Hamilton. I believe, if, if I'm saying his name right. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, Mark, so uh, I'm pretty much done. Are you done? Really? Yeah, I'm done. <clears throat> I don't have anything else for Wait, this Wait, what's this Mark, explain, Mark to explain timpani? I thought, just as an idea... There's a uh, there's a lot there's a lot of timpani in this film, and for those people that don't know timpani, I was trying to explain this to a few friends, um, and I thought maybe Who doesn't know what a timpani. I don't know. Is? I thought maybe you could explain it a little bit better. What they're like these big drums. Okay, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. All right, all right. Let the let the pro take it from here. Okay. So a timpani, they're like these drums. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so a, a timpani, um, they're also called kettle drums. Um, it's like, like kettle huge, corn? Usually, oh, kettle corn. <laughs> and hot Cheetos. No, no, no. Hey, I'm not helping um, your hunger. No. Yeah, oh, gosh, I'm hungry. Okay. Um, they're usually made of copper, and they can be hand-hammered. So there's these, like, huge bowls. Uh, they're, uh, they range from, like, uh, different sizes, usually 22 inches, uh, in diameter for the head, the drum head, the top, and then they go up to 26 also, and they have some really big ones. Actually, uh, at NYU, my teacher, uh, he made, like, his own timpani drums because he's a, he's a timpanist, and he made the world's largest timpani, and it was, like, I think eight feet in diameter? No, eight feet in... Yeah, eight feet in diameter. It was huge. Wow. It was like leaning up against one of the walls in our studio. Anyway, so a timpani, um, the, you usually play four of them, uh, a small one for the high, and then it goes down. They get bigger and bigger for lower pitches. And they have pedals where you can change the tunings. Um, uh, they're used in orchestras. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a big copper bowl with a drum head stretched over it, and then you use a pedal to change the tunings. Yep. All in all, I thought the movie was good. 
I like the music. I think I think Giacchino could have done a little bit more uh, different stuff. Like like we were talking about earlier, Mark brought up some really good points, but you know, it was, was an enjoyable it was an enjoyable film. It. Like Yeah, it was. It was. What do you want from a family film? I don't know. Like this Oh, is- we were also we didn't we didn't have a second to research this, but Dash, he didn't have many speaking lines. That's right. He didn't. And I was like we the it's a kid that plays plays his character in the original in the first one i mean um so if you wait 14 years the kid's not gonna sound like that anymore so we were curious if they used um lines from the other film or even lines that didn't make it into the first film for his character because he really doesn't talk a lot he has very little lines oh but he did have the math scene how did they do that i don't know my my suspicion was that um, they got somebody else to do it. Another kid. But it sounded like him. I it don't did, know. but there's a they. They could have had That's a voice double. Could easily check. Yeah, or you could do a, like a software um, rehash of an old voice. We're not saying that they did that. We were just curious because yeah, it was suspicious. Ah, I got it. I got it. Okay, so Spencer Fox did the Incredibles for the first movie, and Huck Milner. Did the voice for Incredibles 2. <gasps> they did use a voice double. They, they, oh my gosh. Oh, well, yep. good job. See, thank you. No, not good job to you. Good job to them for convincing us. Okay, here, I what, whatever. Here's I a, just uh, I was suspicious he didn't talk much. was explained by brad bird oh really hold on hold on dash in order to make sure his character still sounded like a 10 year old boy they had to recast dash so incredibles 2 plays takes place a minute after the end of the original so bird wanted to avoid dash suddenly having a much deeper voice so they didn't use old lines from that never made it into the first movie they just recasted dash Which I thought, you know, I thought they did a good job. Um, I wish Dash more had. I wish Dash had more lines now. Yeah, that was cool. Okay, that was just something I was curious about, and yeah. Yep. All right. So, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We really, Mark and I, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to our forty to an hour and twenty minute episodes, um, dealing with our crazy Instagram stories, dealing with our crazy brotherly love talk and hashing um what i don't know if you want to hear more please subscribe to the podcast at akiyamamusic.com um you can also find us on apple podcasts overcast podbean stitcher google play we're on all the podcast platforms and also if you're looking for special lenses to enhance your phone smartphone cameras check out the moment ambassadors the link that we have at the bottom of the show notes and we'll talk to you guys in the next episode thank you thanks all right uh take it easy talk to you later all right bye mark bye